0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, well we're just back from a pastor's conference in Rome which has been a a super time. You know, we belong to the most excellent movement of churches. I first got involved in uh, what was then Christian Outreach Centre. Way back in um, 1993, uh, we turned up at a a tiny rundown community centre in Ayr uh, to check out the, the new church in town. And... It was uh, a small beginnings, a day of small beginnings, and I think there were ten people there that day. Um, Kate and I went in, and we looked around, and you know everything was small. The band was um, was Pastor John on a a, a tiny little um, amp sitting on the ground, and um, the. The other info was Pastor John telling us uh, what was happening in the church, which at that stage was nothing but Sunday services, and um, the communion was Pastor John uh, sharing around the communion table, and the message was Pastor John, and the um, close of the service was Pastor John, and... You know many people would have thought, no doubt they did this um, this church is is starting small, but um, you know we could see it was small, but uh, we could also see a vision yeah. which I had never ever um, come across in a, any previous church i 'd been in there was a th- There was a faith for the future, there was an expectation for God to move that was totally different from my um, previous experience. And that had me hooked. Uh, John and Rachel didn't realise it. Um, John said to Rachel after we'd gone. I later learned, uh, what, do you, "What do you think of that couple?" And Rachel shook her head and said, "I don't think we're ever going to see them again." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, every Sunday that um, that we were in air from from that point onwards. Um, we were in that church for the next ten years um, because something had caught hold of my heart, yeah. and um, you know we're still doing life with the with the same pastors and and leaders that were gathered over that um, that space of time in the mid nineties, and um, you know it's great. God is raising up a new generation, but God is also. Um, Keeping us connected with old friends, with old comrades, and the the future is uh, is incredible. Yeah, uh, we've great. seen we've seen great things. We've seen uh, amazing things happen, um, but the the future is even brighter. Yeah. At um, at Brighton, uh, you guys had your your 20th anniversary um, service not that long ago. The Brighton Church um, had theirs a couple of years um, before then, and. Um, somebody one of the old timers came up to pastor ashley after the uh, the service and said it was so good back then so good back in in 93 94 95 it wasn't god doing amazing things and ashley said listen it has never ever been as good as it is today yeah. <laughs> and you know we can look back at the at the past and so we can we can look back and, and be inspired, um, but never forget that the, the future that, that we face, the future that we face together is greater than anything we have ever seen before. So hey, well, we're continuing the Rise of Champions series. And, you know, sometimes we get an unexpected opportunity to, to be a champion. Uh, for, for one other person's life at least. Uh, I had such an unexpected um, opportunity. Uh, one day many years ago as I walked or probably um, ran to my, my lecture at Edinburgh University. I was um, going through the grass market, for those of you who, uh, who know Edinburgh. And um, as I came into the grass market... I noticed this is about um, about 10 a.m. It was probably about, about um, it was a 10 o'clock lecture, so it was probably about two minutes to 10 knowing me. And, um, but as I'd come into the grass market, um, outside this pub, which um, somehow was a- already open at that time in the morning, um, there was this um, enormous guy uh, doing violence, to a a second guy who was lying, I think, in a drunken state on the ground. And the the violent guy was about six foot six, six foot seven, uh, built like an absolute tank, um, wearing a a shirt and kilt and uh, a massive pair of Dr. Martin boots. Uh, he looked exactly like Billy Connolly. In fact, <laughs> in fact, maybe it was Billy Connolly. <laughs> anyway, he was booting this guy who was uh, lying on the ground, just thump, 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 thump. And um, I looked across the street at the guy's rippling muscles and, um, and giant Dr. Martins, and I looked at my watch and was late for my lecture. And I thought, shall I do anything? And then I passed by on the other side. (laughs) But uh, God had another plan that morning, because um, no sooner had I made the decision to pass by on the other side, than this little old lady popped up in front of me, and pointed across the the street and screamed hysterically, do something, do something. (laughs) And... I couldn't let the little old lady down, so <laughs> <laughs> off I went across the street where, <laughs> where Billy Connolly or his, his look-alike was, uh, was still uh, putting the boot into this other guy on the ground. And uh, I walked up to him, my heart in my boots, and said, uh, could you stop that, please? <laughs> And he looked down at me and, um, and said, how? Um, for, for those of you who don't know um, Central Belt, Scots dialect, that means why. And how? Are you his friend? And um, I mumbled something and he stared down at me for a, a couple seconds more and then turned around and went back into the pub. And, you know, today th- that day, I became a rather unlikely champion <laughs> to the um, the guy who was lying on the ground. Um, I didn't have the muscles, I didn't have the stature, I didn't have the um, martial arts techniques um, <laughs> to take on the, the guy with the Doc Martens. But, um, but yet, somehow, I became a champion for one guy at least. Yeah. Uh, an unusual champion. And, you know, God wants to raise up unusual champions. And the world may have written you off. The world may be saying, he's no champion, she's no champion. But, you know, God can make a champion out of anyone. Yeah. And um, the, the subject of tonight's message is uh, a guy who very few would have thought was a champion. Uh, at the beginning of this story tonight, when we first meet him, he is an utter rebel, um, Re- refusing to follow God, um, going his own way, doing his own thing, following his own plans, and um, I guess some of us could can identify with that because because we've had a a time in our lives when we've done the same thing, we rebelled against God and and gone our own way and done our own thing, and yet God takes this guy. And something amazing results. And the same is true for our lives also, that God can take a hold of us if we'll just go through the process, that God will take a hold of us and do great things. Because you probably heard the saying that uh, champions are not born, they are they are made. And that is absolutely true in the kingdom of God. Yeah, absolutely. Many years ago, there was a leader in another movement of churches um, who met the Smiley brothers, John and Rob, and he he had them to um, to preach in his church and and was amazed by the the life and the dynamism and the the vision and the faith and what these guys were doing for God. And this this leader said to Ashley Schmierer, he said, where do you find leaders like the Smiley's? Uh, I need some, some leaders like the, the Smiley's in my church movement. Where on earth do you find them? And Ashley said, we don't find them. He said, we don't find Smiley's. We, we find saddies and we turn them into Smiley's. <laughs> And you know, there's a, there's a great truth in that, um, not just about the Smiley Brothers, but about what God wants to do yeah. in and through your life. He wants to take the, 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 the saddies, the, the pathetic specimens that, that we maybe um, are in the natural and make something amazing, yeah. a, a champion, an unusual champion who will do great things for God. Hey, well, we're going to um, start off by looking in in the book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 3. James, could you pass me the um, iPad down there? (laughs) Started the message without it, but I do need some notes at the stage. Thank you. Hey, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And so the first place we see Jonah ending up is in the ship. And it's a position that's outside God's plan. Jonah has by quite a deliberate choice taken himself out of the call of God. God told him to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah has done the exact opposite. He's he's on a ship and he's escaping from Israel. He's not going anywhere near Nineveh. He has this idea that that God can't get him if he's out at sea, (laughs) which uh, which seems rather ludicrous. But there was a sort of a logic to it because back in those days... um, there was a general belief that, that gods covered a particular geographical area. So every country had its own god. And if you moved to another country, so people thought, then you, you changed from the, from the area of one god to the area of another god, and so you would start worshipping that god instead. And Jonah had got this thinking of the, that was in the world at the time, and he'd got that embedded in his brain. And he thought the God of Israel would be the same as that. That um, once he, he passed out of the boundary of, this, of his God's land, then God would be, would be gone. He would be gone from, from God. But as we know, nothing can be further from the truth because Jonah's God, our God, is a God that knows no boundaries. Our God is a, is a God of the whole earth, not of some um, limited area. And so Jonah's running, and he's, he's crossed the boundary, and he's, he's headed off to sea on this ship. And, you know, we may think Jonah's a silly fool, but the reality is that sometimes we set boundaries for God too. Mm-hmm. Uh, subconsciously, we think it doesn't matter much. We, we think, well, I'll, I'll give God this, and I'll, I'll give God that, but he can't have this because I want to hold on to it. And I think when we think of it like that, maybe we can identify with Jonah more easily than we might think. We can certainly identify with the fact that when we're under pressure, it's very tempting to run away. Yeah. And so Jonah ends up on the, on the ship, and he's, he's out of God's plan. He's, he's taken a, a turn off the track he's heading out on his own route, he's no longer following God's road. But when we find ourselves doing that, God steps in. When we find ourselves doing that, God is looking out for a a way to to get our attention. And you know, if we have an ear to hear what the, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, then he'll probably get our attention that way. But sometimes, if we've um, stuffed the earplugs into our spiritual ears, God has to do something more dramatic. And this is the case with Jonah. Look at verse 4. It says, Then God sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Here God has sent a storm. It's not always the devil who causes storms, although he certainly does do that. And there are many other storms which are simply due to the random circumstances of life. But sometimes God needs to send a storm to get our attention. Because it's often a crisis which can set us back on track. Mm. And whatever the source of the storm, whether it came from from God or not, God can use it. And we face loads of storms in life, most of which the origin has nothing to do with God but yet God can can get a hold of of us in the midst of that storm and um, steer our lives as a result of it. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in all storms, you might say, God works for the good of those who love him. And this storm is battering away at the ship. The, the crew is increasingly concerned for their safety. And so they, they try to work out who's caused this problem. They're convinced that, they, that the storm is of supernatural origin. And they are right about that. And they, they eventually pinpoint Jonah. And they say, what on earth have you done? And Jonah explains. And he says... He says this in verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And so here Jonah is pretty much giving up I think. He's seen that the the storm won't end while he's on on the ship. And so he's saving the sailors lives by basically abandoning his own. But you know, God has other ideas. God has other ideas. Sometimes we're at the end of the road. Sometimes we have been battered so much by the storm that we think there's no way out. There's no escape. But the great news is our God is the God of the second chance. God gave a second chance to to Abraham after he messed up with Hagar God gave a second chance to David after he messed up with Bathsheba. God gave Peter a second chance after the, the cock crowed for the third time. And Peter despaired as he realized he had, he had abandoned his Lord. And God's the God of the second chance. And if you're feeling like you've messed things up, then rest assured, God is going to give you a second chance too. Because God doesn't leave us in the storm. God sends a fish And that's what comes along next. He's out of the out of the ship and into the storm, and then suddenly God sends a fish. And the thing to notice about this fish, it probably wasn't very pleasant. In fact, I'm sure it wasn't. Imagine what it'd be like being inside a fish. You've got um, you've got the fish has been eating its supper um, before it swallowed you. Um, and that supper is now swishing around along with all the digestive juices. They're probably starting to digest your toes as you sit there trying to um, <laughs> trying to stay dry. And this is not a fun place for Jonah to be. But the thing to notice here is he's back in the will of God. Mm. Yeah. There's no better place for Jonah to be at this point in time than in the fish. Yeah. God has a better future for him, but at this particular point in time, God wants him in the fish. The, the fish is the is the vehicle to carry Jonah forward in God's plan. The, the fish is the is the vehicle to get Jonah to where God wants him to be, and it's a struggle living in a fish. But we need to realize that just because we're going through a struggle doesn't mean that we're not in the will of God yeah, yeah, so just because we' we're, we're going through a struggle doesn't mean that we've made a wrong decision Now it is possible to um, to get in a struggle by making a wrong decision certainly that and you know if we've if we've taken ourselves off course then we need to get ourselves back on course for God but so many struggles that we face, They're not an indication that we're out of God's will. They're they're just something that life throws at us along the way and something that God can use to to help us to rise as his unlikely champions. Often those struggles are simply a sign that you're in the fish. And sometimes God wants us in the fish. Because God has to to work on us, in us, before he works through us. After Jonah's rebellion, he wasn't in a fit state to go straight to Nineveh. How could he preach repentance until he was truly repentant himself? And rebellion may not be your issue or, or mine, But for most of us, there is something in our lives that God needs to deal with. There's something in our lives that he wants to tackle um, before he sends us on to the mission that he has for us. It's a work of preparation. And in order to deal with that thing, often he'll use a fish. (laughs) And over the course of of your life as a believer, there'll be many times... If your life's anything like mine, there'll be many times when you find yourself in the fish. I remember being in the fish shortly after we planted the church in Inverness. You know, there's a, there's a, such an excitement about planting a church. We we had a team up from air uh, for our our launch service on a Saturday night. Then we um, we had church on Sunday and you 're thinking wow who 's going to be saved who 's going to be added to the church who's who 's God going to to bring in to be a, a part of what we 're doing and the weeks go by, and you know we never went to never went to Sunday when it was just the family, which I praise God for but um, but sometimes we came very 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 close, <laughs> and you know that 's not fun that 's not a um, that's not what I had traveled to Inverness for. That's, um, that's not what we'd sold our house and given up our job for, my job for. You know, we're, we're thinking, you know, God's going to do amazing things. And, and, you know, God wanted to do amazing things. But first of all, there was a fish for us to go through. Mm-hmm. And those first few months were a, were a tough time. I remember uh, one December service a, a couple of months into the the life of our church and we're all ready to to start the service and um, it was an evening service in those days 6 30 6 30 came and went and there was nobody there but my family and i was thinking god is, is this going to be the the sunday when nobody shows and um, you know, I begin to pray. I begin to to look out through the door, and then, and then suddenly the door opens, and three people came in. And one of those three people was George MacDonald, who is still in the church today. Many of you will will, will know George. And you know that was a small turning point in the life of the church. There were there were many fish moments um, still to come, but. Um, God had a plan, but uh, he had to build some things in our lives first. He wanted to build patience. He wanted to build perseverance. He wanted to build that faith in him yeah. that, we would, that we would keep um, holding those meetings, even if it seemed like nobody was going to come, yeah. because he'd called us. And, you know, at those times, we just need to remain faithful. We just need to stick with it. Jonah had little opportunity to, to, um, to do anything else but stay in the fish. <laughs> But sometimes we've got lots of options. Yeah. Sometimes we've got lots of alternatives. Yeah. There are things that we can do that will, uh, that will take us out of God's fish. And that will give us some temporary relief. That will give us some, some comfort in the short term. But it will also take us out of the call of God. Yeah. Mm. So what happens inside the fish? Well, we shouldn't fear the fish. Because the fish is where champions are prepared, yeah, yeah. where champions are equipped, mm. where champions are built. Jonah 2, verse 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. And here we see the fish is a place where we cry out to him. The fish is a place where we learn to trust him. The fish is a place where God hears us, where God listens to us. The fish is a place where we are changed in the presence of God. When Jonah is finally vomited onto the beach, he's he's not the same guy that was swallowed by the fish three days earlier. He's changed in the presence of God. The fish is a place where we commit to God's plan rather than our own. Three days and three nights, Jonah stays in this fish. And there's a significance to three days and three nights because in the ancient world, it was very difficult to tell sometimes uh, when somebody was dead. You know, you've probably all heard stories about um, historical events where they thought somebody had died and they're putting them in the coffin or even have uh, have put them in the coffin and suddenly they, they, they realize the person not dead at all. Well, to avoid that, this was the test. They had no cardiograms or brain scans or anything. The the test was simply when they thought someone was dead, um, before they buried them, they would leave them for three days and three nights. And at the end of that time, they were certified dead. Well, a death has taken place inside this fish. Three days and three nights. Jonah has died to self and become alive to God. And that is what God wants to do in our lives also. There there will be times when he's calling us to die to self and to become alive to him. And it's through that process that that Jonah eventually leaves that fish and is standing there on the beach heading for the city. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Once Jonah's been through the preparation, he gets to to go again. It's time for action. It's time for him to head into into Nineveh. It's time for, for a period of fruitfulness. It's time for a period of harvest in Jonah's life. And You know, when we're on a high, when we're dreaming about ministry life, this is often where we want to be. An amazing thing happens here. 120,000 people are are saved from destruction through Jonah's preaching. And, you know, that's what we'd like to be happening all the time, isn't it? 120,000 people are saved. And that's where we want to be. That's where there's fruitfulness. That's where there's breakthrough. That's where there's victory. In the city, there's victory. But notice that Jonah couldn't have got there except through the fish. And that's, that's often the pattern. The people of Israel couldn't get to the promised land except through the wilderness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they couldn't get to that high position in the land except through the fiery furnace. And Jesus, our ultimate example, Jesus couldn't reach the resurrection except through the cross. And God wants to raise you up as one of his unlikely champions to take you through that fish to make an impact in your city. Sometimes Churches spend some time in the fish too. Sometimes we go through periods of pressure. We go through periods where where nothing seems to be happening. But Maybe nothing's happening on the outside, but something's happening on the inside. There's a work of preparation. There's a work of the Holy Spirit. We're being fashioned. We're being changed. And there comes a time to step out of the fish and into the city. There comes a time when the focus shifts from God changing us to God changing our city through us. God has a new step for us to take. God has a new step for us to take as a church to to engage with our cities, to engage with Aberdeen, to engage with Inverness, and to begin to make a greater difference than we have ever made before. Mm -hmm. We, like Jonah, we have an opportunity to enter our city as God's representatives. And probably preaching on the high street, as Jonah did, is, is not the way to reach our cities in 2018. But nonetheless, we have the same opportunity as Jonah to point people towards God. We have the same opportunity to see lives turned around. We have the same opportunity to see multitudes, multitudes, one for God. Let's pray together tonight. Father, I want to thank you for the inspiration of Jonah, a man who made the biggest mess you could possibly make, but yet you raised him up as an unlikely champion. You raised him up to do something amazing for you. He fulfilled your plans because he went through the fish. Father, I pray for each one of us here. Lord, that if we're in, a, in the fish tonight, Lord, that we'll stick with it. That if we're under pressure from life, that we'll not give up because we know that you are doing something incredible in our lives. You know, I believe there are a number of people here tonight who really feel like they're in the fish you really feeling under pressure. It's, it's as if you're, your tools are being digested. Hour by hour, day by day. And you wonder what you're doing there. And the thought has crossed your mind. It's futile. But God says, no. It's not futile. God says, I have a plan. God says, I'm taking you into the city. I'm taking you into a position where you can do Amazing things for me. I'm taking you into a position where you can be an unlikely champion. Where you can influence lives. Where you can impact communities. Allow God to work. Cry out to him as Jonah did. And allow him to work. Allow him to fashion you. Allow him to change you. Allow him to transform you so that you can transform your world thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com god bless